Welcome, everybody, to the Valor Podcast. Um, today we have a special guest on. We have a former NFL player, a BYU prodigy, a entrepreneur, a CEO, and the president of sales of Anthem Pest Control. We have Mr. Mas- Mitch Matthews with us. And so I'm really excited to learn from Mitch and hear his story. We also have Mr. Jason Hershey here with us, Marcus Wing on the production and we also have Mr. Jess Regan with us as well. And then What's we have up? River Skinner speaking. So I uh, want to welcome Mitch to the, to the Valor Podcast. Thanks um, for having me, guys. We're excited to be here. We're excited as well. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up, um, what your upbringing was like. And- Absolutely. So I'm from Beaverton, Oregon, right outside of Portland, Oregon. Um, if you see me in, in my fashion sense, you can definitely tell that it is... You can definitely tell it's from Beaverton, Oregon. So all it's, Nike. It's typically all Nike. <laughs> typically a little bit funky. It's okay to be weird. The keep Portland weird thing definitely runs through my blood. So I'm always wearing something a little bit off, but that's very normal where, I, where, where I'm from. So I, I, I bring that to, to Utah so you can look at what I'm wearing now. And if my Swisher pants that I'm wearing right now, my parachute pants, get a little bit loud in the microphone, let me know. I think, I think when you're like 6'8 and handsome, you can whatever whatever you want. So. <laughs> well, that's why I have floods right now. My, my pants are about If I threw the swishers on, people would just be like, what yeah. the? <laughs> I think all of your pants are floods. Yeah. I, I, and that might, it's part purpose, part I can't find pants actually. Yeah. So <laughs> just it's, roll it's with a little it. Bit of, yeah, it's, just, I, I, it's a new trend, but not by choice. It's a style. Right. So I grew up in Beaverton, Oregon, loved it. Uh, I grew up with one older brother who was my idol. Um, he was always way better than me at sports. I think he was Mr. Football, Mr. Track, Mr. Everything growing up. And so I was always Marcus's little brother growing up. And so that always instilled into me that underdog mindset. I always played on his teams, played up with him as much as possible. And that instilled in me, someone's always better than me mindset and always be in a place and have friends and people that are always better than you and be surrounded by those type of people. So I fell in love with that, that lifestyle underdog and, and being the younger brother. And I always will have that no matter where I'm at. And when he committed to BYU, because we were huge Oregon Duck fans because they had all the gear, they had all the swag. And when he committed to BYU, that's where I wanted to play football too. So him and I played together. I'll speed this up, but we played together at BYU. He was a tight end. He's a little bit bigger than me. Um, and I played receiver there. So I played from 12 to 15. Had an amazing time. Um, caught some pretty big passes that people know about and uh, fell in love with football at a young age. And I was probably way better at uh, basketball and baseball. Baseball was definitely my best sport. I'm a left-handed pitcher, but I was obsessed with football. And so that's what allowed me to go and play at the highest level. I went undrafted to the Chiefs and uh, had a great time for a couple of years in the NFL, played with the Chiefs, the Browns, the Vikings, the Dolphins, had some amazing experiences, some tough injuries, um, but loved it. I was able to live out my dream. But I knew I was going to make it there because of my passion for football. Like I, I was good at baseball. I was really good at baseball. It was my best sport by far, but I didn't love it. I only liked it. So, so here, <laughs> we got to take a step back for just a second. So you just rattled off some NFL teams uh, like it was no big deal. But your, your best sport is baseball. I think that's funny. By far. Well, I mean, if, so. you're, if you're six foot six and a left-handed pitcher, you're typically just a shoe-in to go play baseball right. somewhere. I was going to play baseball at BYU for a couple of years. Um, but I broke my collarbone two years in a row playing football during spring ball, which is when baseball is. So I never ended up doing that, but I, I always came back to, well, I love football. I, I, like doing those midnight workouts for football was, was just, it was, it was part of my DNA. I, I loved that piece. A buddy of mine, his name is Brian. We called him Brian, the light guy at BYU. I thought it was going to be Brian the Lion, but it's not out. Brian the Lion. That's <laughs> Brian the light Brian guy. Brian the light guy, because Brian had access to all the lights at, on our at BYU on our practice field in the indoor practice field. So I would text Brian, the light guy to go turn on the lights in the indoor training facility. Cause I wanted to get extra work in, but I would never do that if I was playing something I didn't really love, but I loved football. I don't know what about it, but I loved it. And so that's what allowed me to go play at the highest level in football. And, and uh, it's something that it's, it shaped my life. So that's my background. That's a little bit of who I am. I'm a jock, pretty much. <laughs> was that ever like a hard point of decision? Like, okay, I need to choose now. The different, you know, I need to choose baseball because I'm better at that, and I need, or I can choose football because I love it. Was that ever a hard decision for you, or you're like, I know, I I'm going football because I it just was, like it more. No, it was never hard. 
It was never hard. I was just obsessed with it. Uh, it was harder for other people to see me like, dude, go play baseball. You're skinny and you're six foot six. What are you doing on the football field? Like I was always this odd, like odd looking human out there running around. Um, you're six foot six, you're white, you're skinny and you're not very strong. So go play baseball. Like this is perfect for you. It sounds great. Was, <laughs> but, a, big, uh, was a big part of that, um, wanting to spend time with your brother or compete with him. Like, did that play into it or probably yeah. or was the passion there like separate from him? Uh, it's a little bit of both. I wanted to play with him and that was always a dream. I mean, how many people can say they played college football with their brother at a, at a premier university? So that was really cool in and of itself, but it fits my personality. Like I like to sprint. I don't like to sit and wait. If you're, if you're a starting pitcher, you play once a week. That's not enough for me. I like to get my hands dirty. Like in my business now, it's, I, I like to be there every single day. I, I don't like to be in left field in the, in the bullpen, like waiting. So it just fits my personality. And because it fit me as a human being, I knew I was going to excel in it. I knew I can give it all I had and I was going to excel. Thank you for the water, Marcus. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, nice. so you're, a, you're an NFL player. So that now that leads you to being a co-founder of uh, a pest control company. Right. That's made a, it's a very big name in the, in the door to door industry. Now, what was the transition like that? Like what made you transition from pest control or from NFL to starting a, a company? Um, that's a really good question. And I don't mean to take too long on this story, but, NFL doesn't stand for National Football League. It stands for not for long. I think everyone knows that. Whether it's injury, whether it's you get cut, which I was cut four different times. I knew my whole life that I was going to be an entrepreneur. And you're not going to play football into your 40s unless your name is Tom Brady. So from 40 to 80, you know, or 30 to 80, you're going to be doing something besides football. So you might as well get started at some point. So get started now. Get started yesterday. You might as well get started at some point. So when I had gotten cut two different times, I started hearing, you know, inklings of well, who knows if you're going to get picked back up again. And that really, that really freaked me out. And I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I knew I was going to love entrepreneurship because it fits my personality. Um, just as I love football. It wasn't like I was going to leave football like most athletes do and hate life and not know what to do and go into this deep, dark depression, even though there was some elements of that. So I said, well, why don't I do my homework and do my part and do my piece of starting a business, which I know I'm going to do after football is done. What if I could get that the ball rolling while I'm playing and invest where I could, um, and in this case, recruit where I could and see if I can get that moving forward so that if football did heaven forbid end that I would still have something in the works, something that I know I was going to love, which is entrepreneurship. So I was approached by a couple of guys to that were in the pest control or door to door space, which I knew about, but never did door to door, never did any of that. Cause I was always playing football in the summers. Um, and there was a couple guys that had been in it for a long time and had a lot of success. And they said, well, if, 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 if Mitch would be in to help us recruit, invest where he could, then we'd be willing to leave where we're at to start this company, which we hadn't named yet, which was a no name company at the time, but now is Anthem pest control. And we did it. We started it. I was cut at the time. I was rehabbing a hamstring. The Browns had just cut me. Wasn't, was very certain that I would get picked up, but not sure. I ended up getting picked back up to the, by the uh, Minnesota Vikings. And uh, then later, a few months later by the Dolphins and was there that year. Um, but the whole first year of Anthem, I was still playing ball. I wasn't even involved in the day-to-day of the business, but I was helping recruit and invest where I could. And so we had our first summer, I believe it was 2016 or 17, and I wasn't even there. Um, the business did fine. We did it. Okay. It was the, the definition of a first year business. We felt like it was an epic failure just cause we didn't really do much, but at least we got it started. So my second year or the second year of Anthem, which I, at that time I was done playing football, it hurt my ankle when I was on the dolphins. I jumped full time into the business and, uh, that was my big coming out year of sales and had a great year that year in pest control was a thousand accounts. And uh, in under five months, and that was a you, big deal. You sold in the a thousand accounts your first the first year you ever sold. My first year, yeah. So that was 2017. So how, it was how many? I I am not. I've sold a little bit of pest, honestly, but like how many people have sold a thousand accounts in a summer? I don't. It's not many, right? Or I'm, a total guess would be between ten and fifteen. So to do it your first summer is absolutely. I think you, I you, you said it pretty casually. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah I did a thousand counts. Well, luckily I had a lot of like life experience to set me up for that. I hadn't sold pest control, but I had done other things that as we, as we all know in sales, were are going to set you up for success. Luckily I had a big body of work with pro sports and college sports and other things that we can get into that happened to me before that set me up for the right mindset for that. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm curious. There's, there's an ego thing that happens for everybody. 
um, on the doors, right? Like you have family members saying that's not a real job. You, you've got, you know, you have people that are maybe older, they've done other jobs and they get back on the doors. And so I'm curious, you know, when you, when you go from the NFL and you go to knocking doors and you did perform incredibly well, but like, what were those moments like where the ego is hitting you? You know what I mean? Like where you were, you're kind of at the top of your game and then all of a sudden you're talking to, to, you know, stereotypically you're at the bottom of the game. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. 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 right, That's the the truth. To us, it's not that way, but stereotypically outside looking in, if you're not in this industry, you go from pro football, which is, could be arguably world's sexiest job to a solicitor outside looking in, you go from sexiest to most unsexy of all time. Like, like that. Mm -hmm. And this is no joke. When I hurt my ankle when I was the dolphins, I couldn't put any pressure on my heel and my ankle and um, I, I couldn't play. So they, they let me go and uh, luckily I got a little severance package from them, but um, went full time into Anthem and straight into knocking doors. And I couldn't put any pressure on my ankle. So I went not only from going from football to solicitor, which I was okay with, but I'll we'll get the ego piece in a second. I was limping door to door, legit like hobbling door <laughs> to door selling pest control. That one, that, I mean, that, that story will, will be with me for the rest of my life, but that, that's, that's true. I went from world sexiest to outside looking in, we'll say, yeah. was not sexy whatsoever. And so for a lot of people that could, that could hurt them. But for me, it was, it was, luckily it was my baby. Luckily it was my business. So I had to do it, but you're right. There were some dark, dark moments when people were like, so Mitch, uh, what's, uh, what's going on, man? What are you, what are you doing nowadays? It seems like you're out on the doors. There's always a question mark at the end of every sentence that they would ask. And I just swallow that. And I had some other things that were happening in life at the time. Um, but it was, it was tough. It was, it was for personal pride. It was like, man, is this really over? Is my life dream over? Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. I had other teams calling, but I was still rehabbing at the time, but still knocking doors and still had to succeed. It was a really tough, weird, weird time. But, um, and if I, if I live, lived my life, you know, what, like gauging how embarrassed I am compared to success, then yeah. I wouldn't really succeed anyway. Right. So I'm like, let's just swallow sure. this thing. Let's just, if, if anything, I'm going to go be this best damn solicitor of all time. Yeah. At least, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if I'm going to go from world sexiest to outside looking in uh, a solicitor's job, which could be in, in some people's opinions, uh, world worst, I'm at least going to be the best damn door knocker ever. So, and the sexiest. And the sexy, <laughs> and the most stylish. Six six in some uh, in some joggers, going door to door, looking good. Um, what are some of the parallels that you've learned from the NFL? Some of the other hard things that you've done in your life, and how did that translate? You're talking about the mindset of winning and selling a thousand pest control accounts your first summer. What was the mindset going in that you've taken from the NFL and the other experiences? Man, there is so much to that. I don't mean to take this question and talk for ten minutes, but. I'll try to narrow this one down. There's so many like principles and parallels. Um, some of the biggest ones I learned though was, um, was be your own mentor. Like we all have our own mentors. We all have our people that are in our corner, but my mentors aren't in this room right now. Like my mentors aren't, they didn't go door to door with me. My mentors weren't with me in the, in the huddle. Like they weren't, they weren't there. So we're with our mentors maybe once at best, once a week, best on the phone with them. Maybe once a month, maybe once a quarter. 99% of the time, you have to be your own freaking mentor. So when I'm out on the doors and going door to door and it gets tough, it's hard, I'm having to be my own mentor. I don't have my mentor shadowing me, giving me coaching. I have to be my own mentor and draw back all the things I've learned from the NFL, learned from college football, and to add this to this story to make this even crazier. So there was a month span. I think maybe you and I have talked about this before, but there was a month span span in my life where I was, I was on the Minnesota Vikings at the time. I was planning a wedding. My mom had just gotten diagnosed with terminal cancer and she had about a couple months to live and I'm playing pro sports. My wife's graduating. We're planning a wedding. I just started Anthem and my mom passed away the same weekend as my wedding. It was like a couple days before. Went through with the wedding, had the wedding. She was supposed to make it, didn't make it. Took a turn for the worst, had the wedding. A couple weeks later, the Minnesota Vikings cut me. So I went through in my life, always dominating in sports through high school, even through most of college, just dominating. It just came easy. It really did. It just came flat out easy. I was always the best player. 
and life just came, everything came easy. Um, I didn't go to, to that many classes at BYU. I, I skipped a lot of class. So that would have been hard for me, but I didn't even go. So I, life was easy. Um, let's make sure I cut that part out. Just kidding. But that, that life, life, life was flat out easy. But in that moment, it was the toughest moments getting, being cut from my dream job, losing a parent, trying to get married. It was just such a weird, crazy story and so tough. So the next tough things I was going to do, which was sell a thousand accounts and do all that, comparably wasn't that tough. So the drawback was, man, if I can get rejected by and cut by NFL teams, I can definitely have someone on the doors tell me now and be okay with it and not let it affect me whatsoever. Not even for five, for five seconds. If I can have my mom die in my arms the same week as my wedding and two weeks later get cut from an NFL team who I, I had a great time being with, I can definitely go through a bad week or a bad month. I definitely can. There's no excuse. So it's tons of drawbacks from not just football, but from life. And we can get into more football stuff, but it's just, it was for that time. I went from that to like six months later, knocking doors. I can't say it felt like a breeze to go do that, but I had a lot of strength. I had, I had three Mitches in one. I, I, I honestly felt that way. I was crushed. I was at some lowest of lows, but I had some, I, what I felt like was some superhuman strength to go and do my next endeavors. And that's why there's so many interesting correlations between successful people. If you, if you take a big body of successful people and you look at their backgrounds, a lot of them have been through some crap, like flat out, like some scary dark stuff. There's a reason why 3%, excuse me, 97%, we'll exclude the 3%, the 97% of NFL players come from poor families because they've been through some crap. And so when they're on the field, they act like some damn dogs out there because they don't want to go back to that. Like people who have been through a lot of crappy, crappy stuff typically perform better because when it does come to, when it does come time to go toe to toe with success or failure, you don't want to feel those symptoms again. You don't want to feel what it's like to get cut from an NFL team four times again. You just, you're sick and tired of it. And so you go perform lights out to make sure it doesn't happen again. What, what is your self-talk? You know, cause when you're talking about being your, your own mentor, which I, I love that idea. Um, and I kind of want to explore that a little bit. What is your self-talk? You know, having gone through what you went through during that time and then going to the doors, starting a business, you know, doing all that stuff. I can imagine your, your self-talk is super positive, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's super, super uplifting and positive. What are some, what are the, some of the things that you would, that you say to yourself or that you mentor yourself on? Uh, this one, it needs to be for everybody. But I, I tell myself, and this is a, what you, this is, it's okay. I'll, I'll say this. I'll preface this because my self-talk, and I think this is how everyone should be, is super confident. It's almost to the cocky point. And I think it's what it should be for everyone. Cocky is when it becomes outward. Then, then it's actually cocky. I think every person in this room, every person that we talk to, every person in the world has to have the mindset of, I'm the freaking best. I just haven't showed them yet. I'm a billionaire. They just haven't paid me yet. I'm the fastest. They just haven't scheduled the race yet. I'm the best door thrower salesperson ever, but summer hasn't come yet. I'll show them this year. If that's not your mindset, then you're not planning on becoming the best anyways. You're just not. So I think I'm going to be the best of all time in my mind. And I think everyone in this room should feel that same way as well. And everyone beyond this room should feel that same way as well. We just haven't showed them yet. There's a yet factor to there where you already believe it. You just haven't showed them yet. You haven't had that race yet. They haven't paid me yet. That should be your, that, that's, that's the self-talk that's happening in my mind before I came right now, when I leave, and it should be for everyone in this room too. How would you teach that? How do you teach that to your organization and then, and then your family, right? You, do you guys have kids? I'm trying to remember. And about two weeks ago. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Congrats. Um, so once, once. Once the baby's born, you know, and you're, you're building a family, how do you, how do you teach what you're telling us right now? Yeah. Well, my wife was a better athlete than me. So they, she, <laughs> my daughter, future daughter should listen to my wife more than myself. My wife played soccer and ran track at BYU. So she was a two sport athlete in college. Unlike I was. So she, so the answer is marry up. 1000%. Yeah. Okay, my friend. Cool. Yeah. Marry up. Um, how I teach that 
Um, I, I think the best way I can teach that is live my life in a way where everyone can see that, you know, like if you look at me on Instagram, there, there might be an element of like some sort of flash or the, the people I'm around or whatever. But when it comes down to it, it's just a really, really try hard. It's a really big try hard guy. That's all it is. It's just a guy that that's relentless and just tries super, super hard. Purposely hangs around guys who are better than him. Like most of the people that I'm around and surrounded my, my surround myself with are flat out better than me because that's where I came from. I had a brother and, and friends that were always so much better than me. I was always the youngest one that played up and I, I had people that were just flat out better than me. And that's how it's going to be for the rest of my life. So I, I live a lot of my life in humility because I, I spend time with people who are flat out better than me. One thing that I don't know if is the first door to door con or maybe there's a second one is a second one. You were on the panel, and somebody asked a question about recruiting, and it was pointed towards you, and, and you said this line, and it actually affected my whole philosophy on recruiting, and I think it's, it's brought me a lot of success. I want to thank you for it. You said attract, don't recruit. Do you remember saying that? Yeah. Attract, don't, don't, don't recruit. And <clears throat> it changed my whole perspective because you see a lot of people in door-to-door just DMing everybody. Hey, dude, do you want a job? This is, you know, we can do this, this, and this. And I feel like your philosophy is more, hey, look, I'll show you who I am. And if you're attracted to me and, and what I'm about, then join me. And then yeah. I bet you have more of an inbox than an outbox on your on your yeah, DMs, right? For sure. And that that's helped me a ton because um, I've carried that same philosophy through Instagram. So I want to thank you for that. And I, uh, I could, you could definitely see that through your Instagram always. It's always posting these different things that you're doing to challenge yourself and to for redefine sure. hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I can I can see in your Instagram as well, man. It's inspiring. Like, uh, it, it, that's how it should be in life, though, as well. Like, live your life in a certain way where it's magnetic instead of you trying to be something that you're not. Um, I, I definitely say, I mean, if we're talking about this industry specifically, it's a recruiting-based industry. But I would definitely say that 99% of my recruiting for my business is coming towards my inbox, not my outbox. It's coming through my inbox, people coming to me just because they say, how do I have a mindset like him and go through things that he's gone through or at least attempt to? Um, I, I want that. My leader, wherever I'm at, is a little bit stagnant. I want a guy who's going to push me. So let me DM Mitch and see if he can help, see if he can help me. And that's how most of it's done because it is, it's so true, man. If you're, if you're recruiting a lot, which is totally fine to do. It's totally fine to be outboxed. It's totally fine to be, uh, you know, outbound with, with recruiting. It, it totally, totally is. But people forget that the real way to do it is to live your life in a certain way where people would die to be, to be like you or at least surrounded by you because they know if they're just at least in, within your reach and the proximity is there, that their lives can be better. That is how I think leadership is done. It's a lot and, less talking than we think. And it feels like the, the real win there is retention. Because if you're if you're going out and you're actively you know outboxing everybody um, who who may or may not be interested, maybe the retention's not as good as somebody that's you know that's reaching out to you and saying like I want to be a part of what you're doing. I I, I see what you're doing and I want to be a part of that. Maybe they're they're easier to retain because they're the ones coming to you. Totally, it's one hundred percent true. Or what what if what if they actually finally meet you after you've been recruiting them and they're like. Well, I don't like you and how you live your life. <laughs> Just live your life in a certain way where it's, it's incredibly attractive. The most attractive thing to people to, to be in my DMs and in my inbox about like, hey, Mitch, you need a job. Hey, Mitch, I need work. Is not like who I hang out with. It's not the, the, the groups that I have. It's, hey, Mitch, how the heck can you force yourself to kick your own butt? Like people oddly want that. That's the most attractive piece to a lot of people is, like a, a good buddy of mine is, is Jesse Isler. Like Jesse Isler and their family, they're billionaires. But that is not attractive to me to spend time with him. What is attractive to me to spend time with him is he has a mindset at 52 years old that forced himself to get out of bed last week into an Ironman untrained. That is attractive. I'm not texting him and saying, hey man, I'd love to come and hang out at your nice fancy house to go see all the riches you have. It's, I want to just spend time with you so I can hear your conversations, hear your tone, hear what you're talking about, how you talk, see when you get out of bed, what fills your day, what activities you put in your day, because you have a mindset that I would love to have. 
And that's way more attractive than money. It's way more attractive than commissions. It's way more attractive than to the assets you have. That is what gets people out of bed is spending time with people who have an un, unusually strong mindset. Well, so, so I feel like for me and I feel like for probably for a lot of other people, it's like, okay, we see these people that are inspiring us. Now, how do we get them closer to our proximity? And so you're talking, I know you hang out with Lewis Howes. I know you hang out with Aubrey Marcus and, you know, the, uh, really influential people. How have you been able to befriend those kind of people and get them around your circle? It's a good question. I can actually tell you the story of how I got to that circle or that, that group of buddies. Well, actually at the time it wasn't even a circle. It was, it was all individuals who, who all knew Lewis Howes. And so Lewis Howes was the epicenter of this group of friends and everyone knew him, but no one knew each other. So I think stories and storytelling is super, super powerful. You can get anyone to do anything if you tell them an amazing story because it's just, it, it chills the bones. So I was listening to a podcast two years ago with my wife. Actually, I, this is credit to her. She was listening to a podcast and we were on a run and I was bored because she had you know, her, her AirPods in. So I took one of them, put one in. We went on a run together. And it was Lewis Howes on a podcast with somebody else, I think Rachel Hollis or something. And Lewis House was telling his story. And it was almost word for word the story that I just told you guys about my mom passing away with pro sports, with football, his desire to be an entrepreneur and influence hundreds of millions of people. And I was like, this is me. This guy is me. This is flat out me. And that story that he told was so influential to me. I went home that night, sent him a DM, and I said, Lewis, this is insane. Like, you have the exact same shot for shot story as me. I got to meet you because I needed his help because I hadn't met anybody that was playing pro sports that had gotten cut four different times, recently married, just had his mom pass away during all this. I hadn't met someone that had a story similar to that. So who am I going to go ask for help? Nobody. At the time, all I had was myself and my wife and, and she had a parent pass away as well. And there was some drawback from that, but I had nobody in my life that had a story like me except for him. And so I was like, I'm going to get to him because I need to talk through this and at least glean some help on how he's done it and how he's become who he's become. And he's 10 years older than me. So he's made it past that. I got to talk to this guy. So I sent him a DM. I told him my story and it inspired him to respond because he's like, no way. That's crazy. You have a similar story to me. And so I told him, I said, look, I'm going to be in California next weekend we should get a, a workout together in, knock the rust off, go run some routes together, bring a QB. We'll go. He was a receiver like me as well. Bring a QB. We'll go work out, have a good meal together and, and just, just talk about our life stories. I wasn't going to be in California at all. I was in Utah. It was just, it sounded nice. It sounded warm. So I went down there. We had a great time and we hit it off. It turned from like a 30 minute workout that he had time for, right? I'm, doing my quotations with my hands because he's like, yeah, man, we'll get a quick workout. I'm pretty busy that day, whatever. It turned into us hanging out for like four hours. We went, had played football for like an hour, joked around the field for an hour. Then he invited me to go to dinner with him and, and, and my wife as well. And then we sat there for a long time. So it was probably three, four hours of us just talking because we, we I think in that moment needed to share our stories with each other because we were the only people that we knew that had very similar stories like that. And this is where the story gets funny is he, my wife asked him some of his favorite podcasts, what they were. Number one was Kobe Bryant, which looking back um, was really special to hear. That was his favorite podcast ever. And he's been on a podcast with amazing people. Um, his second favorite one though, he said was with a guy named Wim Hof. And for, for those who don't know who Wim Hof is, um, the Iceman, like the Iceman lives in Poland, like in the ice is always half naked and running around in the ice and doing crazy stuff. And he's like, actually, this is Lewis talking. He goes, actually, I'm actually going to go hang out with Wim Hof uh, in January, about six months from now, me and a couple of buddies of mine, I'm inviting this group to go to, to go to Poland and do some Wim Hof stuff. I want to learn this ice therapy. I'm like, well, I'm pretty good at ice therapy stuff. Cause I played football my whole life. Like I'm in, he's like, you're in. I'm like, yeah, I'm in. let's go. Like the ice, like this is, this is easy. And at the time we were just, we were, we were John with each other and had a great time. He's like, dude, you're in, let's go. And I, I had no idea who was going to be on that trip with us or who Wim Hof. I no joke. I'd never heard of Wim Hof up until that dinner conversation. And turns out the, guy, the guys that were going to Poland were some pretty cool figures that a lot of people know. And uh, I, I can get into the Poland experience later, but we went to Poland with 10 really influential entrepreneurs. And uh, I was the youngest one there and uh, only knew Lewis and met all these good buddies now who are great buddies of mine and I talk to all the time. But uh, you asked how I, I got in that 
group of people and how I became friends with them. It's one being super, super authentic, not treating them like the celebrities that they probably are. Like they're freaking people. Like I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet pro bowlers, hall of famers. My locker was right next to Joe Thomas's, uh, in the, on the Browns. He's the, one of the best linemen of all time. He's a freaking human being. He's a normal guy, really nice guy, amazing human. Jarvis Landry's a buddy of mine. I played with him when I was in the Dolphins. That is one of the funniest, coolest dudes ever. But he's a celebrity the most, but he's a normal dude to me. If you're going to be extremely successful, you better not be different when you're at that level. You're just a normal guy like you were when you were 18 years old. So all these people are normal guys. So if I went there and treated them like they were not normal, then I would have been like a fan. But I treated them like, like they had imperfections just like me. I made fun of them like they had like they can make fun of me. And, they're, and as you get to know these people, they're just normal guys with unusual habits. And so we actually became friends and I didn't go into this looking to gain followers from, but to flat out make friends with some abnormal people, excuse me, normal people with abnormal habits. And we went to Poland, hung out with Wim Hof. It was an amazing experience. And, and now I've, I have I've made a lot of connections from this, but I guess I'm just rambling at this point. But Well, how, how would you, let me ask you this. Um, Somebody like me, I, I feel like I'm I'm not on the level where I've I've gone to the NFL or I've you know I've I've put myself into a celebrity type position. Um, do you feel like that gives you a gateway that other people don't have, or is there a way for somebody like you know what I mean? Like if I totally. let's say let's say I reach out to to even to you and I say, Mitch, bro, like let's let's go for a ride or let's go for an ice bath or you know whatever, and I'm being authentic and I'm you know. Is it, is it harder for me to have that gateway? Um, or, or how do I, how do I make those connections? Does that make sense? Totally. And I'll give you, I'll give you a, I'll not tell you how to do it. Cause we're all going to experience no one, you know, people not responding to our DMS or people telling us no, but the difference was I didn't get to go on that trip to Poland unless I would have asked and said, I'm in, I'm in. That's just in my nature to like over, like over ask. Right. Uh, or to, to be persistent. So I'm the one that said, I'm in. And he's like, Lewis was like, you're in. Assume the like, sale. Con confused. He's like, you're in. I'm like, bro, I'm in. I'm in. He's like, you're in. Because we had, you know, we had built rapport there and, and I was in. Yeah. And that's a running joke that like, yeah. I'm in. That, that's like, in that group, it's like, I'm in. That's just what, what I say. And, but I also wouldn't have gotten on that lunch with Lewis unless I would have been persistent and asked as well. But I, I can't even tell you how many people come into my inbox and say, hey, Mitch, come into town. We'd love to sit down and grab lunch with you. And I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty nice guy and I have a pretty big heart, but if someone doesn't give me a reason, not a reason like they have a great lucrative investment reason, but a, a real, real reason like I gave to Lewis to meet up with me. Mm -hmm. Like we had some very similar powerful stories that he felt like, man, this guy is coming down to California. He has a crazy similar story to me that actually could benefit him to talk through and hang out with me and throw the football around and get a workout in. It made it worth it for him, no matter who I was, I think. Yeah. So if you were just to go ask someone or come into my inbox or someone that you look up to's inbox and say, Hey man, would love to take you to lunch. I promise you the first thing they're saying is in their mind is, but why, <laughs> why would I give you that? Not because they're rude, but because you're probably the 30th, 40th. And in Lewis's case, the 10,000th person in his inbox They've, they've got to have a reason and you've got to have a reason. And I have to have a reason where I'm like, man, that would actually be really cool to meet up with this person because I can help them and I want to hear their story and they're asking for some sort of help or mentorship. And there's a story behind it that says, you know what? Let, I would love to go on that drive with you. But if it's, hey man, let's go on a drive. I promise you the first thing is, but are you going to attack me? Are you going to hit me? Gonna, it's like, not that that's actually a worry, but it's, it's actually the first thing someone's going to think. So right. there's got to be a really cool story behind it. Cool. And how you create stories is, is, is I know he mentioned this, but redefining hard. I, I, I'm going to create stories weekly and monthly that are gateways to talk about. So, so one thing that I think is, I, I guess a mindset I've had while growing sales teams is like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to try these different things. I want to, we started a clothing line just barely. Love it. Um, but the mindset's always been like, well, I want to keep the main thing, the main thing. And I want to stay focused on that. One thing that you just started was as the main things, the main thing is probably Anthem. Yeah. But you just started another company called Dapper. Sure. So I want to, I want to talk to you about that. Cause I see it 
we were talking about it before we started recording, but literally it's like every day. I see you posting about it, but I see the ads every day. Of course, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I love them. I saw the truck at Taco Bell yesterday. I love it. It shouldn't be a Taco Bell, man. We were, a, we, we were at Chick-fil-A. Yeah, yeah there you <laughs> we go. We were at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah. They were at Taco okay, Bell. Okay, that's a good, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, I've actually it had. The, it was the white one, the white van, if you want to reprimand them. The white van, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, the white van. Just the trucks look better, though. They're, they're, they're sexy, for sure. The Jeep is sweet. Yeah. Um, so your, your question was, how do you keep the main thing the main thing and still move forward? No, I, I was just saying that that has been my mindset, and I feel like it could be the mindset of many other people, but you're still st- successful with Anthem, and you're starting another company that's also successful. I wanted to hear the venture of starting Dapper and for sure. what that's been like for you. It's a great question. I, I teach my guys all the time, like if you want to be great at something, you've got to be great at it first before you can ever graduate and do the next thing. So I have so many guys that ask me, and this is, goes back to door to door specifically, which I'm guessing that a lot of this audience is, is, so Mitch, tell me a plan. Like when can I get off the doors? Well, as soon as you're great on the doors, you can get off the doors. As soon as you're looked at as like, oh my gosh, that guy is damn good. Then you can maybe think about getting off the doors. But if your plan is to see when I can get off before when I can be great, something's really wrong there. And so to kind of describe this, I feel like I've done some notable things at Anthem to where it's built a brand. If you were to ask people who are the top five most well-known pest control companies here in Utah are the brand names that people think about when you think Utah pest control companies, you're going to think Anthem in that top five, no question. And so that's where we've gotten so far. We're the youngest of that five without question, maybe even half the amount of time. And I'm in zero percent and all my people know this stepping away at all, but it does allow for the things I've done at Anthem. It does allow, as I prepared a lot of leaders, we have 17 managers. It does allow us to not step away, but allow them to run the show. What I was doing before, they need that weight on their shoulders. Like they need that for their life. So I'm giving them more responsibility, giving them the charge to be the VPs of training of their downline and their networks of people. So it'll, it will free me up some time. So my business partner and my, one of my best friends ever, we were freshmen together at BYU. His name is Brett Thompson. He sold a, a fundraising and tech company for a few million dollars uh, last year and is extremely smart, talented, and we get along great. Um, he approached me with this idea of starting Dapper, which is a direct-to-home mobile detailing service. I love the name, by the way. It's legit, huh? I like it a lot. Our technicians, our detailers, when they show up at your door, it's a hoodie that has like this little faux shirt and uh, suit and tie <laughs> on. It's pretty cool. Like they're like little butlers. Um, but we wanted to bring this this swag concierge element to direct to home detailing. So we come to your house and your driveway and detail all you and your family's cars in your driveway or at your work even. So we have the convenience piece to that as well. And we started it um, six months ago. And even through the summer, so I wasn't heavily involved, but it's all, it's all the money that I've saved and collected from my current business and, and other ventures. And I, we've put a ton in. We're putting $1,000 a day right now into ads. So if you've gotten those ads and you're scrolling on Instagram and Facebook, you, it's not going to stop. You're still going to get more. So hurry up and buy it. So we'll stop, we'll stop saying it to you. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but this last month, so the month of October, we just, we just hit, uh, we're doing about 100000 in sales a month now in month six. So it's growing like crazy. And so I'd say in terms of time, it's just, probably just in Utah right now, just in Utah. Okay. So we're probably doing a, we're doing a hundred thousand in revenue a month right now. Over the next year, we're looking to do uh, 1 million to, to 1.2 million within our first year to year and a half in business. So it's just gone crazy. And the reason why is we are business people, entrepreneurs, marketers. We just happen to have picked this uh, detailing space. We're, we feel like we're competing against a lot of mom and pops who um, probably are okay with just the pace they're going at, but, but, you know, but we're not. Um, and so we're definitely the fastest growing, arguably the biggest already um, with how we do it. And uh, it's a subscription model. So we come out either quarterly, bi-monthly or monthly, and it's contractual. We lock people into a year contract to clean their cars. And they get a massive discount for letting us come over and over. Um, and it's a really, really cool piece. It's just really cool. Like I love a clean car. So starting a business where I get my own car clean every week is just, it feels really good, but it's, um, we've added this element of concierge swag, uh, 
to mobile detailing direct to home that's uh, really caught fire and we love it. But I would say 80% of my time, 75% is still Anthem due to the size of it. We have over a hundred sales reps already and it's October. And, uh, um, that, that, that requires a lot of, a lot of time. Like we all know how needy sales guys are. It requires a lot of time. We're all needy in our way for, if you're going for something great, but, uh, it requires a lot of time, but for Dapper, luckily the time I can save by giving my, a lot of my sales reps responsibility, I can put towards something else. And luckily my business partner is, is in Dapper is top notch and we've grown like crazy. Well, one thing from that I've noticed about you, and I think one of your talents is, is you're a very good marketer, right? You, you think about, dapper the name you think about the way you created your trucks and the vans it's all white or black and then the the logo is the opposite color you have the butler it's all marketing right and i think that's probably your biggest talent is marketing you're talking about recruiting you're attracting people to come work for you um what's your kind of mindset on on marketing and becoming magnetic making a company magnetic making your social media magnetic and i know you talked about doing things that are difficult to make yourself magnetic but how does that philosophy translate to marketing for Dapper and for Anthem. Does yeah. That make sense? Very good question. I would say that, that it's marketing. In other words, is just the branding of it. When we started Anthem, our ethos right away was we're record breakers. We're freaking record breakers. It was year one. I'm about to go try to sell a thousand accounts with my business partner at the time who went for a thousand accounts, hit it. We've already had another guy sell a thousand accounts. Um, we're one of the only, we're one of the few companies that have had multiple 1,000 account reps in a company and we're definitely the youngest to, to do that. And so that was our ethos right away was we're record breakers. And so that's in everyone's DNA to want to be a record breaker and want to do something great. So we're now we're attracting a lot of people who want to be just like that, record breakers. So I don't know if it's marketing in terms of like SEO marketing right, right. that I'm good at or like Facebook marketing. My business partner is great at that. But mine's more of the branding and the culture piece that allows you to have super infectious people to go and build those teams, to go and get the brand out there. I honestly feel like our guys are so obsessed with Anthem, so obsessed with Dapper, because if you can build in your company DNA something that gives them mission beyond what knocking doors is, they feel like they're taking over the world. I feel like I'm taking over the world sometimes. Like that's just how it is. So I would say marketing um, and thanks for the compliment, but I would say like behind a computer marketing, I don't, I don't know the first thing, but in terms of branding and creating a culture where people are obsessed, because if your people are obsessed, you, you go to bed, you wake up the next morning, your company's all of a sudden just bigger because now you have a hundred niches in the company. If, if they have the same mindset you do and you're training them to, now all of a sudden you have a hundred, 120 plus people that are just like you on the same mission as you. And that's how you go to bed, wake up the next day and, and your company is twice as big. So I definitely like my, I definitely like, uh, maybe you can call it the politician in me, I guess, but I like how things look as well. Like I want to make sure Dapper looks good. So it adds that sexiness appeal to mobile detailing. Um, how Anthem is most, so many people ask me like, what is Anthem? What, what do you guys even do? That's because I don't make it about bugs. I don't make it about pest control. I make it about what life mission are you on? And so if you can make your life and your businesses about that piece, people forget what they're even doing. They just feel like they're on some crazy life mission. And oh yeah, I forgot. We got to go knock doors today. That's where you build a big company. That's where you go really fast. So it's, and that, that makes it more fun too. Pest control is not fun. Like bugs isn't fun, but Anthem in, in this business is fun, but those little tiny pieces aren't fun. Yeah. It, that's a better way to put it is branding. I've, I've been obsessed with the idea of branding myself and branding to grow. And, um, I just watched you and I have a lot of respect for what you're doing over there. I think it's, I think I it's like pretty incredible. Man. You do some cool stuff. I love it's it. It's pretty incredible. So. Where, uh, I know you're, you're building a new office right now, right? Yeah. Where's that at? In Lehigh. In Lehigh. So it's right. So just right, literally, right I there. think you take this road straight and you'll run into it. Nice. Looks pretty yeah. sweet, man. It's cool. Yeah. So, it's way cool. So what summer did you sell a thousand accounts? Was that? I think it was 17, 17 or 18. 17 or 18. So it hasn't been that long. Three, two and a half, three years ago. Yeah. That's when I started. Sweet, man. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was, it was definitely worth it. It was a grind. It was, it was very hard. I, I'd add it to one of the hardest things I've ever done, where, chosen to do. Where did you, uh, where did you sell at? Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Cool. It, it worked because I was actually at door to door con trying to recruit Blake 
and you were trying oh, yeah? to them at the same time. <laughs> I didn't sell a thousand pest control accounts, so it didn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And yeah, Blake does amazing work for us now too. So we're, we're happy to have him. Blake is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you always see him posting about his ice baths every morning. Yeah, hey, that, I, there are so many people ice bathing now. Someone needs to start a company around that, man. Seriously, there's so many people that are on that kick, and it works. It's real. There's a reason why. What does it do? I'm curious. Like, I, I've done it a couple times, but when you do it continuously, like, what is – is there a mental effect, physical effect? Like, what are the, what are totally. the benefits? Yeah, there's a physiological and psychological effect to it. So the physiological, which means, like, your body and it's, it's – it, what – is happening inside your body and its cells is yeah you're gonna it, it induces fat loss that's just a side effect of it um, it reduces swelling obviously um, and, and that's why I did it as an athlete was that piece you know it, it induces fat loss I guess a little bit um, but it reduces swelling so after post practice I'm waist deep in this thing uh, for 15 minutes 10 15 minutes and it, it I, the next morning I feel more refreshed. Um, but I think the reason why it's popular now and why it should have always been popular is the psychological effect and what that has, what the ice can do to you. So the ice, if you think about a big tub of ice or a lake of freezing cold water, it's a problem. It's freaky. It's scary. You're looking at it and you get nervous every time. You can't hide from that. It's an it's, it's a obstacle in the way. And so the fact that you're going to choose to step in that and immerse yourself in a problem is why you do it. If you're not stepping into every day with quote unquote problems, the problem is that hundred mile bike ride. The problem is those 10 meetings I have that I have to convince 10 people to come, to come and work here. That, that's not a, that's a good problem to have, but that's, that's what it is. It's an obstacle. It's tough. So if I can every morning go work out, which was probably tough, and then get in the ice tub. It's just adding more tough things in a day. But here's the trick. When you step into an ice bath, it's going to shock your world. You start hyperventilating unless you are good at staying calm in the problem. So if all your problems in life, you step into them and you freak out, you start hyperventilating, talking really fast. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Well, you're going to lose that sale anyways. You're not going to make that, you're not going to sign that recruit anyways. But if you can train yourself to step into that ice and be calm and just surrender to it and breathe through it. Well, the next problem that comes up, you're going to be able to stay calm, to breathe through it, talk through it and dominate it. So getting into that ice and going above your heart, like up to your collarbones almost, it'll freak you out because if you stay in that for 30 minutes, 40 minutes untrained, you'll actually die. Like I know Wim Hof and a couple other guys have stayed in there for two hours in an ice tub up to their neck. But if anyone else, us in this room uh, did it or any random stranger we asked to go sit in an ice tub for an hour, they'd be dead. So to step into something where you know it could kill you in 30 minutes, unless you're good at it, maybe 30 minutes is a little bit short, but let's just say 45 minutes, you, there's some severe damage that's going to come with it. So to step into something like that every day or every morning or once a week, whatever you're, you're, your time is for that is such a blessing to train your mind to step into something that could flat out kill you if you sit in it for too long or didn't master it or get in for 30 seconds, freak out and hop out. Well, then you haven't mastered it. So if you can slide in there like a ninja and just sit there and be like, this doesn't affect me. This is okay. I love being completely surrounded by a problem. Stand up with a smile on my face and then start the day after you've worked out, got in the ice tub. Man, that's cool. That's a freaking cool feeling. Literally. Yeah. Literally cool. Very stoic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's why I do it because I like being able to add another problem into my day that I can master. The workout's a problem. It's going to burn. The ice tub is a problem. It's going to burn. These 10 meetings, they're not, they're a good problem to have, but they're going to be tough for me to navigate. So I got to, I got to step into the problem. That bike ride, that's a problem. Poland, that's a problem. This meeting, that's a problem. This hard workout, that's a problem. So more of those quote unquote and take that the right way, problems that I can have or challenges I can have or hard things I can have in my day, then that's when you get to the point where you feel unstoppable and your confidence goes through the roof. Well, thank you for your time today, Mitch. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, man. As we're wrapping it up here, I, I have one last question because um, you're always talking about redefining hard. You just did a 100-mile bike ride through the mountains. 12,000 um, feet of elevation. 12,000 right? feet of elevation. Climb, yeah. Yeah. What are some of the hard things that you're going to overcome here in the next near future? 
Um, well, I guess I'll just say this now. I'm doing an Ironman in like six months from now with the Iron Cowboy. You guys probably heard of him. I'm doing an Ironman with him next either May or June. That'll be really hard. So you, if you saw my Instagram last night, you saw me in the pool, literally learning how to swim, not even in the water. That's, that's how basic I am at that. Um, that's why I'm on the bike a ton. That's why I'm running a ton. So doing Ironman next year, I have a goal for myself. I Googled the 10 hardest bike rides in America. Five of them are in Hawaii, uh, two in California, one in Colorado, one in New Hampshire. And I want to see if I can do, um, I have to, I, that's going to take a lot of planning, but see if I can do the 10 hardest bike rides in 10 straight days in America. That'd be cool. So if I can dominate the 10 hardest peaks in America, I can go anywhere in the country and be okay. Right. Yeah. So it's a mindset thing. I don't know how hard it's going to be. It's going to be incredibly hard, but I don't know how hard, but um, it's just literally scheduling a problem. Yeah. Like th- just saying that I actually got like kind of nervous. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like I like the bubble guts. So saying all those you can't things back out now. So exactly. Right. <laughs> so saying those things is like, Oh crap. Why did I even say that? That's so stupid. Like now I have to go do it. But like it's, it's, <laughs> It's it, like schedule the problem. Schedule your next day. You should look at your schedule and say, there's like four or five problems in there that I have to master. And now, and the reason why I have this, and this is, this is the last thing I'll say is I've had things, problems in my life and catastrophes in my life, like being cut four different times from the NFL, losing my mom at the most, probably least opportune time. If there is ever an opportune time at a terrible time, those problems came to me. I didn't choose those and they crushed me. They set me back. So if I can schedule my problems, if I can schedule my tough times, I feel like there's going to become a point where I won't ever be knocked backwards. And so that's, I've been rebranded myself to redefine hard. That's my, that's the way I live my life because hard came to me. And so I've chosen to go to it now with micro ways to do that and big ways to do that. So those are my plans for the near future, man. And a lot of other weird, crazy stuff. That so I'll awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited to watch you climb those 10 peaks. Oh, and then also You're coming, to... man. You're coming. Do you have an opportunity right now? I'm in, bro. I'm in. I'm, <laughs> in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. That's great. Well, beautiful, man. Well, thank you for your time. Um, Thanks, guys. Where can people find you on social media? I think all my socials are at Mitch Matthews 10. I know Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is just Mitch Matthews. I think TikTok now I'm on, I think. Mitch Matthews 10. And Matthews has one T on it. So Mitch Matthews 10 on all socials. Or and, you can uh, find them on a, in a dapper truck coming to your local house here in Utah. <laughs> yeah, you can see, or so. just swipe on Instagram. You'll see our ads. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Thanks hey, so much, Mitch. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Appreciate it.